in a world where Mad Lab Theater. What are you doing? Making the Mad Lab ad for Cinema Wheeler Tay. Oh, here's my other one. Susan thought it was just another day, and then she met Mad Lab. Why don't you just say that Mad Lab is the new works theater in downtown Columbus, featuring hilarious comedies, powerful dramas, improv with FFN, the annual Young Writers Festival, and the longest running shorts festival in central Ohio, Theater Roulette. That sounds pretty awesome, especially when I do it over the Star Wars theme. Star Wars is always a good choice. Mad Lab, the original. For more information, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or visit us at madlab.net. people uh the one and only john coon hey thanks for having me everybody and uh we're here to talk about uh uh, i think it's a movie that's almost universally loved at this point across the board not really (laughs) (laughs) well i found one bad bad review (laughs) good i want to get to that now was that like Uh, hulk hogan's daughter or somebody reviewing it Oh my god, that's really funny. reviewing I didn't know if she did the film reviews. Does she? I wish she did. I think we should just make it up on the spot. We will. Brooke film review. Brooke Hogan. Oh my gosh. Hated this movie. The, the movie we're talking about, by the way, is The Princess Bride from 1987. Mm. Um, yes. A classic. I think she's the worst daughter of Hulk Hogan, even though her... His son uh, killed someone in a car accident. Well, Is that true? From the perspective of loyalty, I think she's the best daughter mm. if she gives this movie a horrible review. I think she's his only daughter. Mm. Doesn't yeah. he only have two kids? Yeah. Well, he was like a he was like a stage dad. Was it <laughs> all technical? Out of, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yes, I think the boy's name is Nick, yeah, Nick and Nick the daughter's Hogan. name is Brooke, and they both have extremely blonde hair. Yes. I'm so sorry for bringing that up. I know. And fake tans. Poor Hogan. He's had a tough couple of years now, you know. He's Don't even start poor Hogan. Decade. This is a macho man table. Mm-hmm. This is a macho man house. Without a doubt. Right. And there's another wrestler that we'll be talking about extensively today, too. Speaking yes. of WWF Who was probably good friends with Macho Man Randy Savage. Right. And could have been good He was friends. probably fans, friends with, with Hogan. Yeah. But yeah. great, great segue. Yeah, that is a great that segue. Really That's good. Can't wait That's, to talk about Billy Crystal. I know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about. Wallace Shawn, you know, everybody, you know, classic wrestler. No, uh, The Princess Bride, uh, probably one of the best. Uh, it's a movie that I think becomes more and more popular every single year. It's a, it's almost, I think, like a universal classic. I think most people have seen it at this point. That wasn't the case when I first saw it about 30 years ago. Uh, it, was, it came out in 1987. I don't remember any publicity, and I was the right age for this movie at the time, you would think they'd be marketing it to people like us. Exactly. But I don't remember a single ad for this movie when it came out. It was 1987. and I, sure. I don't either. Of course, I was two and a half, so I don't remember anything at that point <laughs> right, in my yeah. life. 
Right? Uh, yeah, I didn't see it until I was in college in the middle 90s. Oh, wow. So it was a little after oh, I did. I... You, you were at the golden age of the 90s. I'm jealous. I don't have any idea how to take that. <laughs> the first time I saw it was like, I think about maybe six months after it was released. I remember watching it on video. My mom rented it because she had seen it in the theaters when it With first who? came out. Uh, a couple of my aunts went to see it. Oh, my okay. Aunt Judy, who's really hip to pop culture and yeah, stuff yeah. like that, she yeah, yeah. said, you guys have to see this movie. Hey, Aunt Judy, I met? Uh, yes. yes. Yes, oh yeah. Aunt All Judy, right. you're great if you're listening, and so are you, Lori. So I have, I have an explanation that may or may not fit for that. Yeah. When do you think the modern-day idea of the romantic comedy actually took hold? What movie would you say took it straight into... Breakfast at Tiffany's. Hmm. Circa 1961, starring the one and only well, Audrey. I think you're going for a modern approach with this. Is that is that where the question is like a modern? Where where romantic comedies became something to really go ahead and actually market to young people. I would people. say when Harry met Sally. Exactly yes. when Harry met Sally. That's exactly what I was thinking. Not when point. Audrey met Fred. Well, <laughs> that's that's an excellent point. You know, in the yeah. movie, the the subsequent year was. Pretty Woman, which made became oh, a gigantic yeah. blockbuster. I'm not a personal fan, but it was a zeitgeisty kind of big hit at the yeah, time. Yeah, but ultimately, I don't think movie. movie execs had any idea how to market these things. No. They had no idea. And also, think about it, too. This movie is such an eclectic audience. What is really the target audience? Is it kids? Is it teens? Is it adults? It's, it's the kind of movie that... Is appealing it's for clear, everybody. Clear it's so it's hard game. to figure out. <laughs> well, do you know what I mean? I mean, it's not necessarily right. just a kids' movie, but it's not an adult movie. It's kind of in the middle. Right. It's like, who do we market this? No, you're absolutely right, Tony. In fact, I would go as far to say it's such an, a, a, an amalgamation of so many different types of movies. It's not mm-hmm. really fits comfortably into any genre, yeah. which would make an executive or a marketing executive look. What the hell do I do with this? Is I don't adventure know what to do with a genre? Because I I would put this in adventure. It's it's a I'm movie. Put it in romantic comedy. I'll say this. Though. I'm sticking with that. It's yeah. a movie that has Rom-com. great comedic <laughs> highlights. Probably one of the yeah. best sword fights ever on film. That's true. And probably one of the great uh, satisfying uh, dramatic moments in a movie where Indigo Montoya mm-hmm. kills. The six finger man. man. Sure, sure, we sure. watched it with a big crowd last night. People cheered, clapped, mm. you know, for that. I also man. think this movie could be one of the most quotable movies ever. Oh, yeah. absolutely! I oh, mean, yeah. almost every line is an amazing line, and, and, and quoted. Yeah, I found myself constantly just saying the dialogue out loud as I was watching it again. Yeah, because yeah. I knew the lines. I mean, it's just like. And that's because we know things. And, <laughs> and I think the core audience for this movie really is. <laughs> I had to. Right. I love it when he says that. Yeah, that's what he was born to do. It's just to drink and no tings. Yeah, to we're just drink get, and no tings. We're just gonna chew a hoagie and what a. What kind of tings do you think I know? Huh? I know kind what of kind of tings? Huh? You know everything. I know everything. Everything. I'm appreciating that you said it there, Tony. I said it here. He knows everything. Everything. <laughs> he does. We just need to get you a hoagie and a television in your set. <laughs> no kidding. Holy crap. But this movie is undeniably quotable, and I think that's become the target audience for this, which is... I think it, 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 it's kind of... Mostly appeals, I'd say, think that people who love comedy, I think. I think that's really the target 
because it is a comedy. I, I've always kind of looked at it as a comedy. And I, when I saw it for the first time, when my mom showed it to me, like, this is a really funny movie. Now, it's called The Princess Bride. It looks like a fantasy movie. I was never a, a fantasy guy. <laughs> We're seeing some beer pouring in right now. So. Not just any kind. Very elegant. Yeah. Oh. It is. Um. It's, it's mesmerizing. <laughs> Thank you, Tony. That's great. But, um... Uh... I remember when I first watched it, my mom was like, oh, this is hilarious. We saw it in some theater. We laughed hysterically at it. You need to check this out. So she billed it as a comedy. Like, it, and so we started watching it. And I didn't really pick up on the humor immediately. I was only 10. Like, I was pretty sophisticated at that point, but I still wasn't quite there where I saw, like, because it's dry. It's a very dry movie. Yeah. Um, subsequently, I found it, obviously, hilarious the more and more I watched it, where I thought, this is great. This is, this is one of the funniest movies probably the 1980s easily. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of that to Rob Reiner. I think Rob Reiner, you know, mm -hmm. as boisterous as he is, he loves dry humor and comedies. Like, I also think he had a lot of great material to work with. The, the Princess Bride, the book itself, a lot was taken directly from the book and incorporated into film. So I think he definitely got lucky in having really good source material. Is that the original book that he reads to Fred Savage? Uh-huh. Okay. Except in the movie they say it's by some... Other author, but it's actually written by William Gold um, Goldman. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and William Goldman was a great Hollywood screenwriter. Uh, he exactly. wrote uh, the screenplay of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, mm -hmm. which is similar to this in a way. Yeah, you know, it's kind of taking a, a, a specific genre and kind of bending it a little bit slightly. And then um, he wrote All the President's Men, mm -hmm. uh, which in marathon. I man, wonder I think did he write the screen? I wonder if he helped write the screenplay, or if the book was just that great. He actually did yeah, write he, the screenplay. He? Okay. He's the one who actually wrote it. Got it. And okay. I think he found it challenging because it was considered an unadaptable novel because yeah. it doesn't really fit to cinematic standards. Because you have, you know, the I don't know. If, I haven't read the book myself, but I get the understanding that the grandfather reads to his son, mm -hmm. to his grandson, in a similar fashion that it's done. It here. is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great that they just kept that in here, you know, which is probably the solution to the problem, which is don't I like to have another. I think, yeah, I think is that's great, right, right, Yeah. Is there a grandson reading to a son, reading a book, or with a grandson reading to a son? That would be great if in the movie he said, and his sick grandson was sitting in the bed, and his grandfather came in and read the book. So it would be like some sort of like weird inception. It's a deliciously <laughs> meta, meta, meta. Oh, God. Right. But like, I do think, yes, you're right, that Peter Falk is the solution to many problems. He Absolutely. is. He's wearing a lot After all, he's Columbo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he yes. was wearing a lot of makeup. Because like, make yeah. he was not that old at the time. Was he not that old? Or not that old at the time. Younger? I no, they, I think they tried to make him look older than when he actually looked at the time. Yeah, well, he always looked kind of decrepit on Columbo yeah, anyway. but not so like he's... that. I mean, he didn't have the, the gray mustache. You could tell he was wearing, you know, mm -hmm. what do you call them, prosthetics to kind of make himself look a little bit older. Yeah, and the yeah. hair was you. They had some kind of like maybe powder or dye or something in it that sure, made sure. it gray. Yeah, he was. I think he, um, you know, they were trying to go for like the magical grandfather yeah. figure without, in an understated way, without making it because this movie. That's what I love about this. It understates a lot of this stuff. You know, in a lesser film, they'd blow everything over proportion. Like, I'm the quirky grandfather who's coming in here to read it, and and they don't do that. They don't overplay it here, which I like. Everybody kind of plays it the, the way they need to play it without overdoing and it. And I also think that uh, those scenes really complement the film. Sometimes in movies, when you have 
two different worlds going on, so to speak. When you keep flip-flopping between the two, it can be really weird and strange, and sometimes you lose value or those the, the switch doesn't necessarily add anything. I think they had just the right amount of switching. Well, we yeah. would go from the story to the grandfather and Fred Savage and, you know, they'd have a funny, usually a very funny exchange of dialogue and then we would go right back into the, to the adventure. And I think they did a really nice job of blending that in and making it to where those scenes added value instead of taking it away. Oh, yeah, mm. they do. They're, they're funny. Yeah. They're yeah. legitimately they funny. They add to it, yeah. And I think what makes those scenes so great for me is that, um, number one, Fred Savage is a terrific child actor. He's probably one of the best child actors I've seen, along with maybe the kids from E.T. and To Kill a Mockingbird mm. and Ron Howard on the Andy Griffith show. Mm. Um, I, I think, you know, because... Opie Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> he then becomes Richie Cunningham. <laughs> yeah. And he was great on, you know... <laughs> No. Where was the Fonz in that universe? Oh. <laughs> he, yeah, where was he? Listen, he was way yeah. too cool for me. <laughs> he was. Yeah, that letter jacket was... He was starting a revolution <laughs> like Kevin Bacon did in Footloose. Yeah, he did. He did. You know who else was a great child actor? Shirley Temple. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shirley Temple. She was all right. <laughs> Are you kidding me? She was incredibly talented. <laughs> I like it. It's kind of... Uh... I just take a, me- a mediocre approach to, you know, I have a moderate approach to Shirley Temple. Whatever. I you know those bad child actors, the kids in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Not, not a big fan. Zuzu, I agree. They were kind of bad. Yeah. Judy Garland <laughs> was a great child so actress. Whiny. <laughs> Judy Garland, another great ass. child actress. It's like I It's guess. a Wonderful Life, except for our children, honey. <laughs> I, I certainly don't deny Judy Garland's awesome. I just didn't see her as much of a child actor like like Fred Savage is really young. Like I'm talking about like the eight. Nine, well, she 10. started off young. Oh, like, I haven't seen her early. Seen those early movies. I've just seen Wizard when she of Oz, did Wizard of Oz. She was about thirteen or fourteen, so she was getting older. Who was that one guy that was in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Who's the guy that was in Breakfast at Tiffany's? The Mickey guy? Rooney. Uh, the Mickey Rooney? Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Rooney. Mickey yeah. Rooney. Yeah, he yes, was. and he did a lot of films with Judy Garland. So I'm going to post this. Would you rather watch The Wonder Years <laughs> or Mickey Rooney? <laughs> I'm with uh, Fred Savage on that. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you who's another great child I'd actor. Watch, I'd rather watch Dana Carvey do impressions of Mickey, Mickey Rooney <laughs> yes. than watch The Wonder Years. I agree. There you go. There you go. I, I agree with John on that point <laughs> completely. You know. What was yeah. it like? The move, the world. What'd you do with a thing? Attitude. Winnie Cooper was. Who's the guy that played the. Uh, yeah. uh, not Winnie Cooper, the other guy. The actor did the Joe Cocker. You're talking about Paul. Paul, yeah, yeah. yeah. He retired. Yeah. But uh, I think Fred Savage is awesome in, in this movie. <laughs> Uh, he's he's really. <laughs> I actually saw someone the other day that had a shirt that said "I heart Winnie Cooper." Oh really? Aww. Yeah. Side note: I was actually in a movie with the actress who played Winnie Cooper. Oh, I was nice. an extra. Yeah, he was. In a film. And Jonathan Brandis. And Jonathan Brandis, yeah. That's, who that's, was a, like a good child actor? She's like a, a physicist now. Winnie Cooper. When, yeah, she is. Oh, that's she, right, she, she writes was. math books. Yeah. Oh yeah, math, math. Yeah, is it physics or math? Well, but anyway, she, or, yeah, yeah, she's she's right. I think the actress who played Blossom was like a physicist yes, too, right? She's like a um, <laughs> No, but I think no, I think she's she is idiot. a um Yeah. I'm just gonna yeah. say it right here on this podcast. Mayam Black Whatever the hell her name is, she's an idiot. <laughs> it's Whoa. on the record now, so people Was that know. from Blossom? Whoa. <laughs> that was Joey. Joey Lawrence. Yep. Yeah. 
He's smarter than Blossom. Here's, here's the connection there. <laughs> Whoa! Vince Savage Whoa. is on Boy Meets World. Which is the one of the greatest shows ever, guys. Mm. And then was it the, it. one of the Lawrence brothers on there? Yes, Matthew Lawrence, who Matthew. is the middle one. There were three of them, and they were all extremely good looking. It's like, how is this happening? They were like possible? your own boy band. They really were. And you had Ma- uh, Joey Lawrence, Matthew Lawrence, and then I think the youngest one's name is Andrew. Hmm. The youngest one wasn't as cute or as talented as the older two. You just wanted to two. be like Joey, yeah. the meat in a Lawrence sandwich. Yeah. Joey Lawrence was going for that like Marky Mark thing, right? Oh, yeah, Can yeah. That's that? nice. <laughs> I'm looking at Sean as you know. Good looking young man. <laughs> they were good looking. Yeah, I'm, looking, I'm a source were, for you know, they that were good guy. Actors. Makes you wonder what they're doing now, right? They actually right. they had a show on the Disney Tony Channel, knows, all three of them, Tony the Lawrence Brothers. What it's true. Lawrence Brothers doing? I want to say in like the late 90s, they had a show on the Disney Channel where it had all of the Lawrence Brothers. It was like Joey, Matt, and Andrew. I don't remember what the show was called, and I think it was only on like one season. Was it Joey? Might have been. The Lawrence Brothers? I think you're thinking of Wahlburgers. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Mark Wahlberg. Okay, that was my first male crush ever was Mark Wahlberg. My sister Cindy had that Calvin Klein poster of him in the Calvin Klein underwear. Wow. How could you forget, you know, exactly what I'm talking about? She had it in her bedroom, and I remember being five, like, I want to marry him. <laughs> so but, back to Peter Paul. Yeah, back to Peter Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just you're welcome, podcast listeners. That's right. All that just yeah. to talk about Fred Savage. And yes, and what, this challenge. is just the very beginning of the damn movie. right. All I said was he was a great child actor, and boom, it went I, up into I a spiral. I challenge all of uh, you guys to find that Marky Mark poster and post it onto our Cinema right. Real Estate Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Wow. Which is exactly what I want on some of the Marky Mark posters. That's, That's Mark exactly what I want. That's the target audience I'm going for, a Marky Mark fans. Hey, he's a very talented guy. Yeah. Yeah, he is. He's a good actor. Good Vibrations was a hit. That's it, all was say. it was amazing. I didn't say it was good or bad. I just it said was amazing. It did lead to making your own video on the Sega CD. And it Mark did Mark lead Mark. to a Marky Mark workout video that I have mm. on VHS. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Speaking it's of true. video games, what... Game is he playing at the beginning of this movie? By the way, I oh, that's like, like a baseball. 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 Yeah, baseball. Okay, that's what run, it was. One of those two. Yeah. Um, is that the Atari? Yeah. Atari. People were la- We saw this in the big theater last night, the Kappa movie series, and people were laughing at, <laughs> at the game because it, I guess it's so dated. It's yeah. so yeah. archaic. My son, we, my son thought that was ridiculous too. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you want to play that? It may have been the biggest crime in his mind. Poor kid has to play his fucking video game. But. And the thing that I think is super cool, though, is your son, did he enjoy the movie? He loves the movie. Exactly. Right. It's so timeless. That, along yeah. with, like, Forrest Gump and these timeless classics like that, he could watch. And, and I could, too. I could probably watch Forrest Gump almost any time. Oh, me, too. Yeah. yeah. They make you feel good, you know? There's a connection there. Maybe it's Robert Wright. Maybe that's what you guys are drawn right? to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that could be the connection. God, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but, um... <laughs> the scenes with I'd like to think I'm not that much of an idiot, but yeah, I do like Robin Wright. Yeah, she's she's she a talented actress. She doesn't have a lot to do in this movie besides be rescued. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which leads me to my question: If there was a it, at the time, like the reviews for this when they this movie came out, the reviews most of them are glowing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if we had, if this movie had come out now, with the type of criticism and oh and over sort of like microscoped. You know, 
criticism that movies get now. What do you guys think? How do you think this movie would be reviewed now? Well, I definitely think there'd be criticisms. You'd, because we have a lot of content now. We have people that have... We have more websites than we have movies. Right. Now, that are exactly. writing about movies. Exactly. And I think that people are going to... they. What, what somebody might label social engineering, which is like we need more of this in film and less of this yeah. in film, and and I understand it to a degree, but I also think sometimes uh, a cigar is just a cigar, I guess you know. If and I agree sense. with that, but I do think that like it depends right, on the yeah. flavor. The weird, <laughs> yeah, the weird sort of um, the types of criticism it would get. I would lump it right in there with like feminists would have a field day with this movie. Oh yeah, yeah I, I, for sure. And I think actually, if this movie were made today, it would be wildly different from how it's oh yeah, oh, yeah it would be here's the, thing, I, I think here's the thing she'd be I, more proactive in this movie I think nowadays exactly. than she is but exactly. here's my thing too and I'm a woman and even last night <laughs> Vincent would be played by Shaq it would be played by myself <laughs> no but even no. even I mean even last night in the theater when we were watching this and um, when they were um, in the fire swamp and they were killing you know right. the and she's the just watching side, and she's just standing, oh, I she's said to him doing. I was like she should pick up that sword and fight back and, um, of course, that's what I would do if I were in that situation. But then you kind of have to step back and you have to think this is supposed to be in a totally different time. This is supposed to be in, I don't know, 1600s. When would you say this was, mm. quote-unquote, maybe supposed to take place? And women just didn't do things like that. You know, that wasn't their place. They didn't, you know, they, ju they just, they were literally there to basically... Bring children into the world, cook, clean, sew. I mean, that was their purpose. And and I think, in spite of that, I think uh, Princess Buttercup is actually pretty daring, considering what maybe she's supposed to be like. She didn't fight back in the fire swamp, no, but there was a scene where she jumps off into the... Um, uh, uh, the water with the eels, and mm -hmm. she's, she's trying yeah. to defend herself, but she's mm -hmm. very saucy and she she's very vocal, mm -hmm. you know. And I think there are a lot of great qualities in her um, that might redeem for that. Scene, Without a doubt, and I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I just think it'd be interesting to see it now and sure. what a what a you know more modern or postmodern critique on the whole thing would look like. Right. Yeah. I think you could do it the same way. You could treat it as the book is written a certain way, and you can make the mm -hmm. comments and the scenes with. He's like, where are the people of color? He's like, shut up, kid. <laughs> you want me to read the story? That's brilliant, right? Yeah, there. right. See, yeah. that's you make a comment on it, and then just move right past it. You know, yeah. I, I think too. Like, regardless of the the context and everything, I think she is probably the weakest character in the movie. Not that she's a weak character. Period. I think she fits in perfectly with the. With, she's the title character, mm -hmm. but I think she's the least interesting character in the movie because every other character is an eccentric in one form or another. They have any quirk that they could play off of or they have a rise well, I don't know. I mean, uh, Wesley doesn't... He, he's pretty black. Yeah, he's white, actually, actually kind of bland pretty, when you think about it. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Until I mean, he turns into... Well, when he's the Fred farm Fred. boy, he's very bland. Right. But when he's... Dread he's very sarcastic. Or being yeah, dread yeah he's right. got that sardonic... But Robin Wright has... You know, Robin Wright, she gives him... You know, she gives it right back to him. Like, mm -hmm. right before she pushes him off the cliff, and he yeah. says, yeah, as you wish. You know, they're going back and forth, and I think, especially for a woman at that time, you know, I think she she's quite independent, and... Um, it, it, strike, it struck me while I was re-watching it, and the whole reason I brought any of this up around the, the newer sort of critique on it is that when they are having... Before she pushes him off the cliff, and he's like, um, you know, when... Where I come from, 
I don't know if they exi- the quotes exactly, but when I come yeah. from, when a woman lies, mm-hmm. there are consequences. For That's that. exactly yeah. what he says. But yeah. it's like, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that just yeah, because he raises his hand in today's yeah. world. It's like that strikes me as yeah, it's very very sexist. Very, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, it is. Yeah. Was he pretending to be? He was. Be, he, to was. Me, he was. He yeah. like, pretending was to be. Was he? I mean, was okay. it? And, yeah. Or was he? Was he testing her to see where her the yeah. truth about her love was? It seemed like a mind game. Yeah. Game. I think they were both. He's insecure. He was still very insecure at that point, and I think she was too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, okay. imagine if you know you loved someone so much, and that kind of situation happens to you, and then you find them again, and you're in a situation like what they were in, where you know they don't know the true identities. It's it's a it's an immature, insecure type of thing. I mean, they were what young? They were in their Maybe supposed to be teenagers in this movie. I mean, or something. if I found myself so, in this situation, I would probably find a reason to check Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but th- okay, okay. Think about your relationships. <laughs> Think about you would unfriend her. Think about your relationships. No, she would unfriend me because that's how it always happens. Right. Well, okay. Let me let me At just say this. That's right. <laughs> The opening would instead of the game would be watching him being unfriended on Facebook. Yeah, you know, that's the opening of the film. Fred Savage, yeah, Fred Savage. I, I just that's it's it's a parallel thing going on with a very tale. I think they should do it. They did today. They have Fred Savage in his normal age and, and the corpse of <laughs> Peter Fox. Uh, Peter Fox's like, corpse. Get off the book face, kid. Facebook. What's a Facebook? <laughs> when I was young, books were TV. Isn't that what he says? Yeah. When I was young, books didn't have a face. You just read them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what is this book face? My face. Who are you? Hey. <laughs> MySpace, is that still around? Uh, probably is somewhere yeah, in the uh, ethos. We need to check that out. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Delete your profile. Thank God I have my. Yeah, thank God we have access to things. Well, getting back to your point about like the two characters, I actually think that Carrie Elwes is amazingly funny in this movie, though. I mean, he bats. They give him so many great lines, and he bats him out of the park. He's so dry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a difference. Robert White doesn't really have that humor. Like she doesn't have those lines to but drive her home. I don't think. Well, I, I don't think my character... is still a thing. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it still actually exists. Wow. I don't think that... I think it's because of the way the character is written. I don't think it's her. No, I agree with that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. She, and think about how many times she set him up for these really funny lines and really funny moments. Like when they were in the fire swamp and things like that. There, there was a lot of her kind of setting him up and then he batted it out of the park. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's uh, Roger Ebert's review of The Princess Bride oh, on MySpace. Oh, what did he say? On MySpace? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he posted, that's how he posted it yeah. at that point. Um, but I, I, I think... Um, you know, everybody else in this movie um, has a really strong presence. Like you know, Mandy Patinkin, obviously, most mm-hmm. people might even think he steals the picture because yeah, his character. I think so, great. but you also have Wallace Shawn and yeah. Andre the Giant mm-hmm. and Christopher Guest. Oh God, Chris Sarandon. All these guys have. I'm swamped. Yeah, I'm swamped. Yeah. They all have great roles. Tyron, yeah, how much I love to watch you work. <laughs> That's one of my favorite scenes. Too. Planning my wedding. If you don't have your... my wife and framing Gildeport, If you don't have your health, do you have it? <laughs> I love it. She's upset about my father's health. Of course. 
I love that. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll be honest, this happens a lot with Christopher Guest. I didn't realize this was Christopher Guest until years after watching it. Oh, like, right on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he just blends into a role so seamlessly. He and he actually has, I think, my favorite comedy bit in the whole film, which is, uh, it, it, there's no dialogue. <laughs> it's just a scene where Montoya confronts him, the six-fingered man in the hallway, and all the guards leave. First time, yeah. And Christopher Guest is leaning towards him as if they're about to fight, and he just turns away and starts running. <laughs> I love that. I love that to death. <laughs> it's so spot on. Yeah. Uh, love that. Oh he's just so intrigued by him. Like, yeah. But he's he's also intimidating. Guest is a he's terrific very actor. Scared of him. Yeah, yeah, especially yeah. when he starts fighting back. Yeah, but Guest is intimidating. He's both funny, but he's also a bad guy in this mm-hmm. movie like mm-hmm. you can feel it in his eyes he's a tremendous actor we know him primarily as a comedic actor right but he's actually a really good actor period in the story like mm-hmm. committing to a character and really yeah immersing he's, himself he does in a great role. job of not he just plays it even when he's like doing the torture thing and he's acting like a psychologist he doesn't never place it up no right it's so, so understated yeah, and it's so, so great interesting yeah. and he just writes it down he doesn't play it for any more than it has to be. And that's kind of how Chris Sarandon is, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah he's very genuine. But, in you know, I guess as a woman, I have to stand up and I have to defend the character Princess Buttercup because, kind of like I mentioned earlier, think about all these great lines that we have from these people, these men that we're talking about. Some of them wouldn't exist without Buttercup setting them up. Like, the mm-hmm. scene where she says, when she kisses the old grandfather goodbye, and he says, what was that for, my dear? She's like, you've always been so kind to me, and I'm going to commit suicide as soon as I get to the room. And then I forget what he says. He's like, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, no. But everybody, and everybody laughs about that part, but that wouldn't exist without her doing that. Like, so I really feel like she gets a lot of discredit for, for things that she says and does that sets up some of these really great moments. Like, remember when Chris Randon's like, Please consider me as an alternative to suicide. Oh, God. You know, it's just so funny. But again, but it wouldn't exist without that. It's true, it's true. And then really what she is is, you know, she's, she's the straight she's man. The yeah. She's the straight man. Yeah. To set everyone up. Yeah. The movie I mean, named after her. Yeah, she, she's the title character. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it. She's got she's, Scott, it's a good thing you're pretty. Yeah, yeah it is. That's what I'm saying. But it's. It's really nothing wrong with the character or the actress. It's just like it's not the most glamorous role or the most. It's not a standout role. It's not quoted. It's Someone has on. to be the straight man, though. Oh, absolutely. And it, she was the straight man. But I think she's part of the piece. Like I don't think she's bent herself in ways. Like there's oh. there's lines. It's just like she's not getting the lines that Carrie Elwes is getting or Andre is getting or exactly. maybe Patinkin especially is getting. Absolutely. You know? But that's not no one's fault but the writer. Right. Uh, it's, it's, but it's, it's the just, it's the uh, it's the it's the product also of her role. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. She she is the ingenue mm-hmm. in in the and you know what's great about the Princess Bride is it takes all the traditional roles that we've been used to through, you know, Moliere and Shakespeare and it gives us those prototypes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But it also gives us enough to kind of twist it and give more nuance to it. Yeah. So it's it's of the collective unconscious. It's something that we are used to already seeing. But when like when you know when when Carrie was does something that's offbeat from what a a male ingenue character would do in the movie, we love it even more. Right. Exactly. Because it's unexpected. Yeah. Exactly. Because it's strange, and there's no r- true, there's not a ton of true. Rooms of a neutral set. <laughs> I love that. Right. And I, but again, he gets the laugh, even though it's like 
It's true. I feel like yeah. Tony. Tony, feel, right. you feel slighted because I don't feel slighted. I guess I just say, please, like, recognize how important that role is too, even though it's not as glamorous. Mm, no. Even no, though no. it's not as funny. <laughs> even though it's not as funny as some of the male roles, I think that it's still just Definitely a critical not as funny as the male roles. The hey, Donald Trump told me not it's to respect Meryl that. Meryl Streep. <laughs> Meryl Streep is hilarious. She is. Yeah, she is. She'd be great. She'd be a great princess. No, much. she would be horrible. <laughs> the problem, like you would say, is that she wouldn't understand the role. She wouldn't understand the context. Actually, it's maybe true. Robin well. Wright is. I mean, I can't yeah. think of anybody else who could play that role. Right. I it's, could. It's a. Jeez. Oh, you would be R O U S. I probably would. We're on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. Oh, no. I'm not the Brute Squad. I would be on the Brute Squad. I would be killed somewhere. I like what you were saying about the comedy, too, when you are talking about the satire, like the offbeat moments. There's something a little bent. And what I like about this movie is... Well, something I want to say about the movie is it's a comedy, but it's not really a satire of fairy tales. It... It, it, it plays it's actually an actual fairy tale it's not like airplane where you're satirizing the airport movies and it's a complete spoof and you're kind of breaking the fourth wall a bit by but waking to the be, audience it could be a satire of these adventure like it could tales. be but it doesn't it doesn't go all yeah. the way it was, satirizes but it doesn't I it's not that, cynical it's like not I, think that, I think yeah, the point yeah. Sean's oh, making is yeah. that it, it, it gives us the same structure yes. as the traditional fairy tale yeah right it is and then yeah. but then it peppers in Places where it's like we weren't expecting that laugh, or we right. weren't expecting that. Like joke to when go. he's in the um, uh, oh goodness, what's it called? I can't remember now. The toilet. No, no, and he's under no. in the tree, and he's getting tortured. Oh what's yeah, yeah. What yeah. is it called? What is that place called? There's a name for it. The pit of despair. That's pit of it. Despair. Yeah. And when he first meets the guy, he's like, yeah, and he's like, <coughs> he's like, and then he yeah, yeah, yeah. Throat 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 right. yeah, exactly. It's just it, so funny. That's, that's right. a great example. Yeah. It, it's like the the, the 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 style of the the comedic style here is not like a direct gaunt spoof where you're making fun of it or mocking it, which yeah. I like. Yeah. It's but it's more of the fairy tale aspects, the tropes of a fairy tale. They actually respect. Yes. They respect the tropes, the cliches. That's right. That's right. They don't mock that. They just they just throw that. things. They embrace those, right? As that's what we're doing, right? And then they put their own spin on it. Exactly. Even it, even something like uh, what Billy Crystal does. Oh like yeah, the Miracle Max, yeah. and you know, I mean, they in Carol Kane, they oh, they I have their that. own version of that, of like kind of like the Deus Ex Machina or whatever of the of the right. movie, where it's kind of like this outside convention that saves mm-hmm. you know Wesley, but ultimately. It's just really... He's only mostly dead. It's Billy Crystal just being Billy Crystal. Yeah, essentially yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah. You know, and it's not like... He's still a piece because the guy's supposed to be eccentric. Like this eccentric inventor or wizard or whatever he happens to be. He's American a miracle Max. man. He's a miracle, miracle man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he is. Why don't they give him the thing right away? I don't remember. a miracle that. man and you get rotten miracles. The pill. Why don't they just give him that pill right away? Because they told him to wait, didn't they? They did tell him to wait. Wait 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem to matter. It seemed like he was okay. For full effect, wait 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah. Oh. And no swimming until after an hour. Yeah. At, least, at least a good hour. At least a yeah, good yeah. hour. Exactly. Okay. I'm out of wait. I'm your wife. It's okay. I just watched it before I came <laughs> yeah. here. So it's, it's fresh. And all of it's really there. fresh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, that's a great example of, of the style of the movie, which is like everything's a little bent, but it's not like they aren't adhering to tropes. They still are. Right. And I like that. I mean, it, it's a different technique, but it's, and it's understated too. It's played in a very dry, like even the music's understated. Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits I like the actually. Music. 
Yeah. It was composed by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits. And I'm a big Dire Straits guy, so mm -hmm. it was nice to see that represented. I guess Rob Reiner uh, was a fan and hired him to do the score. Simple as that. Yeah, they could have been in Dire Straits for music. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't. But they weren't. They nice classical guitar. Like that. You know, I was like... Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It was good. Um, I think one of the great things about this movie, for anyone of any age, is it's just a fun, feel-good movie. It's lighthearted. Um, it's enjoyable to watch. There's there's at least one character that you can relate to and or identify with mm -hmm. or, or immediately attach yourself to. And it's just a fun adventure movie. I mean, I think yesterday you had commented about how sometimes people say it's sort of like a modern-day Wizard of Oz. And I think that that's a really great comparison because it, it takes us on that adventure from point A to point B, and you meet all these quirky, fun, mm -hmm. and even sometimes scary or mean characters along the way. And um, I think that's just a classic recipe for a good story or a good movie. Um, <laughs> you know, I just think it's it's just a lot of fun to watch. So no matter what you classify it as, mm -hmm. rom-com, adventure, yeah, right. whatever, comedy... It's just a great film. I think, too, this is a fairy tale movie for people who don't normally like fairy tales, too. Like, if, if you're not a fairy tale guy, I think people like this movie because it is wry and it's there's that subtle satire and all that stuff. But um, I don't know. I think people who like fairy tale movies would still like this movie, but I don't necessarily See, think. I don't really consider this a fairy tale. It's more of. I don't know. I wouldn't say it was. A, Fairy tales, there's always some kind of spell involved, or like there's some kind of. Usually, it's either a heroine or, or something like. I don't know. I, to me, I don't consider this a fairy tale. I think uh, any. I think a lot of people though would say in the genre, like if it's in a different place and time that never existed, and has kind of the medieval feel, it kind of fits into that uh, fairy tale genre, kind I of like really uh, so. or fantasy drama. It's more of a I fantasy. feel like it's more of a fantasy adventure. Fantasy, yeah. I feel like it's more of a fantasy adventure. Than like a fairy tale. There were a lot of movies in the eighties. We talked about before. There were these dark fantasy movies that were coming out, like the trend in the eighties. Like you had the Dark Crystal and the Never Ending Story and Legend. But this and all is a lot movies. like the Wizard of Oz. You wouldn't consider that a fairy tale. I don't think that's a fairy tale. Well, that's more a fantasy fairy tale. I, I think that this is supposed to be kind of a homage to fairy tales. The fairy tale. I feel like the only reason it would be linked to the fairy tale is because she's a princess. And a prince. Take that element out, and I don't see how it would be a fairy tale. That's just me. I just don't. Yeah. I wouldn't consider it a fairy tale. Well, in the sense of you know, a the princess. fairies tell it. No. <laughs> do you need grandpa fairy? tells it? Do you have that fairies involved in fairy tales? <laughs> you don't. So, I don't know what. I, I can look up and make a fairy the tale. Ultimate, the yeah. ultimate reason. I, mean, I look hey, at it like just how I feel. it has enough elements of a fairy tale where you've got a hero, you've got someone who's in need, you've got a princess who needs saving. Mm -hmm. um, just those those alone give enough of a nuance of what our versions of fairy tales are. Yeah, and then you've got uh, you know characters peppered throughout who are you know you've got the giant, you've got the swordsman, you've got you know the Sicilian who you know they're they they give us the the magic that goes along with it. But really, yeah. the magic that holds this whole thing together. Is true love. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna look at it like this is a fairy tale. That's how I look at it. It's a fairy tale. 
Yeah, I, I think it's 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 not like it has as popular about a lot of magical creatures or anything like that. Although there are there's the rodents of unusual size and uh, they're just gross. Yeah, there's the Wikipedia definition of a fairy tale. Oh, good. Okay. Fairy tale is a type of short story that typically features folkloric fantasy characters such as dwarves, elves, fairies, giants, gnomes, goblins, mermaids, trolls, or witches. And usually but magic see, he's only a giant by default. It's just his character. It's not like he's, he's a not natural. a giant giant. Exactly. He's a giant person. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that about it. it it's 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 it's. I think it's a there tale. There are no witches. There are no charms. It's, a, it's probably a fantasy. That's kind yeah. of. I feel like a fable. Maybe it's like even. a fable. Yeah. yeah. I I don't because I feel like fairy tales have like this um, strictly romantic nature about them, and this to me is not necessarily strictly romantic. I think there's a lot of different things going well, it's on. It's about it. true love though. That's the Yeah, but it, but it isn't um but that's kind of like a a side thing. It's really more about this adventure of them like this this quest that they're on. Mm-hmm. It's for true true love is you know why they're on this quest, but um Wikipedia calls the Princess Bride a American romantic fantasy adventure comedy film. Wow, it's everything we said it was. <laughs> yeah. That's like, I'm going to cover all the bases so nobody can, so no nerd can come on here and question. Yeah, but that's really what it is. Genre. It's really, yeah. you can't really define it. No, I, I mean, it's great. I agree with you like that. I, I think yeah. uh, it's a fantasy film for sure, I would say. Like, it would, yeah. it would fall into that genre. And I guess the point I was trying to make is that. I think this movie would appeal to somebody who would... I don't think a movie like A Legend or The Dark Crystal would appeal to everybody. I think that's a niche audience. I think that's why those movies didn't explode at the box office. They also office. had Muppets in them. They did. Well, this, this no, movie. it's true. <laughs> well, it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, it had Muppets Not in. everybody likes Muppets. Did Legend have a Muppet? I can't remember. Either. That's a good question. <laughs> Look that up on Wikipedia. Right? Muppets and Legend, uh, or the Neverending Story. Well, that they have puppets. Yes. They, they, there's a puppeteering aspect. Neverending Story, I feel like, is more is definitely like a fantasy. But I don't think those mm-hmm. movies. That's the one with David Bowie, right? No, that's Labyrinth. Damn it! Which is a great movie. It which is would a great be fantasy. Labyrinth, I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I think this movie appeals to a wider audience over time because it has that. And humor that yeah, that's what I said from the very get go. It's very eclectic, and I think it appeals to everybody, which is what makes it. So timeless. It isn't um, same thing like Wizard of Oz. It's one of those movies that you watch. There's a little bit of everything in it. There's comedy. There's love. There's sadness. There's happiness. There's um, you know that adventure of getting from point A to point B for mm-hmm. whatever your purpose might be. Uh, there's no music in this one. It's not a musical, but no, no, Un- yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> <laughs> we needed some musical numbers. You know the the thing I'm always. Uh, I'm always struck by is after this movie, 1987, right? Um, the careers of these actors who are yeah. in this movie, the trajectory they take, what, almost 30 years later? Yeah. Right? So you've got um, Mandy Patinkin, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. who is brilliant in this movie. Yeah, he is. And I don't know, oh, if, yeah. he, I don't know if he was personally at this time, but he goes on then to, I mean, he just becomes an asshole. Really? In in Hollywood. Right? I've yeah. heard. I've I mean, heard a lot of people stuff, talk yeah. about how he's insufferable to work with. Oh I've heard that. I yeah. That. I think on Homeland, especially. There Homeland. Been, yeah. I mean, there's other different series and things that, you know, where, where they literally single him out as being just an insufferable human being to try to work with. 
that's incredible too because it's like you right. love him so much in this movie right. you want that to be reflected and then, in uh, Robin Wright mm-hmm. I mean maybe you can make a case that she's probably got the most illustrious career after this movie well Carrie Ellis uh, did a series of those Saw movies oh god which, <laughs> listen I'm not saying they're great films but I mean they were pretty popular that's they were popular I but I think that's the thing when did the first Saw movie come out I don't know in the Ten years early, ago? early 2000s Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was around like the and mid 2000s. Like, so what's yeah. what's the gap? The gap between Princess Bride and mm-hmm. the Saw movies? Twenty years, yeah. probably about. So, roughly. I don't know. Maybe he didn't 15, have much. Twenty years. It's just it. It's fascinating to look at these characters after they leave. Well, I, I always thought he was. Under- tights was good. Who? Who? <laughs> 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 I will defend that movie. If you rewatch it, I'm not going to argue with you. Ben Attach was great when I was 14 years old. Yeah. (laughs) He gives a good right. Who's better? Him or Kevin Costner as Robin Hood? Who would you say? Oh my God. I would definitely say him. (laughs) Not Kevin Costner. Kevin Costner was horrible. Yeah. No accent, you know, nothing. Here's here's something that's interesting. Here's a couple people that auditioned for Physic. No God. With Andre (laughs) Liam Neeson. Really? Wow. Well, Liam Neeson's like what six four? Six yeah, he's he's a tall guy, but I don't think he's. Somebody How are they going to do that? I, and the only other person who could play that role is like the Mountain from Game of Thrones. Yeah, <laughs> and he was probably like a baby. <laughs> yeah, right. he was not the Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, there's only and the other person was probably more fitting, but still, I don't think he captures is Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Well, he already had airplanes, so he kind of already had that. They wanted someone that was tall, but he's tall. He's very slender, though. I mean, if it's Kareem, I'm thinking it's the Street Fighter movie, and he's playing Dulcine. Yeah. That's it. That's That's the only other role he's good in. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's about it. Richard Keel was also... Who the hell is that? Oh, he's the guy that played... uh, (laughs) um, He was in Happy Gilmore. (laughs) Oh. Let's not go down oh, that the rabbit big hole. Guy yeah. that. Oh, I love that guy. Yeah, yeah, oh that's, that, that's, uh, that's that's what he was. He in something else? Uh, well, when I've read though, Goldman always had Andre. Yeah, in mind. He played I think yeah, you're yeah. right. Goldman always had Andre in mind. He was a huge Andre fan. I guess he used to go to, to MSG and watch Andre Russell constantly. He loved Andre the Giant. Ugh. There's so many great Andre stories. God, who doesn't love Andre the Giant? I know he's he's, he's perfect because he's not only is Andre tall. But he's just a giant person. I mean, right? when he puts his hand on his uh, someone's know, head, it just engulfs it. I mean, right? he really feels That's Andre what... the Giant. His I know I I probably told you guys this, but his chauffeur to school, if you guys know this, when he was yes. a boy, yeah. was Samuel Beckett. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Drove him to school every wow. day. Right. That's yeah. incredible to me. That that was a show for the guy who wrote Waiting for Godot. Mm-hmm. It could have been Waiting for Andre. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an interesting. He probably uh, wrote it as he was waiting for Andre. Yeah, he probably did. To finally, get into the car. Could you imagine getting Andre the Giant into a car? That's incredible. That's alone is just a feat. And Carrie Ellis told stories about hanging out with Andre in New York, mm. where he would get tanked. You know, because Andre would just. You know, so then they would have a cop. They hired a cop. The city hired a cop to follow Andre around, just so nobody would start a fight with Andre. It was to protect both sides, you know. Right. And I, there's that famous story where he collapsed in the hotel lobby because he was so he passed out. Yep. And they had to put the cops had to put tape around him because what are you going to do? You can't move him. You know. That's where he's sleeping. Yeah. That how night. big was that guy? He was 
seven. He was like seven foot four, five hundred twenty pounds, yeah, yeah. and, just, like and he yeah. never stopped growing. I mean, he never got the surgery to cut off the pituitary gland. Everybody loved working with him on this set too, from yeah. all reports. They all loved working with Andre, and I think one of the like. Well, of course, they loved working with him. He would pay for everything. Yeah, yeah. He was notorious for paying for everybody's drinks, right? Oh, that's what I've heard. Yeah. yeah, he he covered it. I mean, who doesn't love somebody like that? And I guess one of the uh, the assistants came up to him and says, "How have you liked?" <laughs> they Inconceivable. Asked him, Inconceivable. They asked him like, uh, like, um, how did you enjoy working on this movie? And he said, "I loved it. Loved it. One of the best experiences of my life." Who Andre did? Yeah, he says yeah. because I'm normal here. Like I'm not. Oh, people aren't yeah. looking at me. I'm just one of the guys. I'm just a cast member. Yeah. Yeah. That's really sweet. I guess the WWF didn't give him that same glowy. Right. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, well, he's also doing live performance, so he's Andre the Giant. Yeah. You look at me, how big I am. Right. I sell tickets based on the fact that yeah. I am an enormous person. I'm going to go beat up the crap <laughs> out of someone true. else. Or do feats. Because it's carnival, you know, he's going to do right. feats of strength. Win a battle royal against 10 men, which Fezzik obviously mm-hmm. mentions, you know. But, uh, no, Andre's performance, and dare I say in the second language, you mm-hmm. know, in this movie, with the li- and the timing of the lines, is just... Yeah. I don't think anybody else could play it, because no one could be that physical presence, and then have 20 years of performance experience, Yeah, and then... Um, he understates everything. It's yeah. a great contrast, because as big as Andre is, his persona actually works best when he's understated. Mm-hmm. When he's wry. And he's... Back, he's, he's of a piece with uh, Manny Patinkin when they go back and forth with their lines. You know, yeah. anybody want a peanut? You know, stuff like that. I like when he says, men in masks cannot be trusted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's just wonderful in this movie to watch. You know, he's just very... Well, he's like the nicest character in the, in the he movie. Is. Yeah. He is. And at the So here at the very end, I, we were just watching this with my son. Manny Patinkin was nice there, and, too. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He was, but he's, he's an asshole. <laughs> and he thinks an asshole. Not so, in this movie. Well, not in the movie. I'm just saying. You said Manny Patinkin. You didn't say any of the So He's anyway. also driven yeah, by like revenge. like, I must know who I am. <laughs> Get used to disappointment. Um, and uh, so at the very end, when um, Fezzig shows up with the four white horses, right? Mm-hmm. And he yells up to Inigo. And Inigo's like, oh. Mm-hmm. Isaac, you did something right. Yeah. My son, right in the middle of watching the whole movie, he goes, Damn it, Fezzik's done everything right in this movie. Yeah. What's wrong with you people? Yeah. yeah, it's bizarre. It is a weird... Isn't it? Yeah, it's a bizarre line. Uh, it's not like he, he doesn't really screw anything up. I love it know? when he kicks the door down and he's like... <laughs> <laughs> I always found that line really bizarre when I was watching it because it's like you finally did something right. Like I didn't really know it was established he was a fuck up through the movie right. either, and they didn't really Except establish by it. Bassini. Yeah, well, yeah. Bassini, that's the only person, and he thought everybody was a fuck up. Don't you so. realize your job is at stake? But I'm covering three people. You know what's great about this? What did he do after this movie? Uh, I guess he did Clueless. Which <laughs> and then great. a bunch of voiceovers in animated movies. Yeah. And he was yeah. in a movie, no pun intended, he was in a movie called My Dinner with Andre. Andre. <sighs> in the early 80s, which was like this big cult art film. Yes. Which is two guys talking at a restaurant the entire movie. 
And uh, I guess he didn't know why he was funny. Like, I guess I've heard that story about Wally Shawn didn't understand why he was cast in this role and why it was supposed to be funny. Uh, which is perplexing to the rest of us because he's Paul hysterically Shawn, right? funny in this. Yeah. And uh, I, again, both Patinkin and, and Sean, they get lines from this movie shouted at them every single day. You I'm know? sure they do. Yeah. You know, and it's lot potentially lost on him for. It was probably potentially lost on Wallace Shawn for like 20 years. Yeah. Of why he was so funny. Right. Because he probably, as a human being, looked at himself and was like, I'm a serious actor. Exactly. What the fuck is wrong with you, people? Well, <laughs> I read, I just read that... Uh, I'm not your fucking clown. <laughs> he thought that Danny DeVito was the first choice for the role. Really? Oh, Danny DeVito? He thought, in the whole filming, he thought he was going to be fired, so he was nervous all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, he, sec- he thought he was a second choice, so... Oh, I love He that. would break oh, out in sweats the whole movie. Wow. I did hear that story, yeah, that he was paranoid about I the I still love it when he's like, he's like talking about how smart he is. He's like, yeah, you ever heard of Socrates, Plato? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Rob Reiner knew that and was able to use that for his performance. Yeah, he might have. He might have just manipulated that a little bit, you know. Oh, directors using things like that. Yeah, what a shock. You know? Right? <laughs> it reminds me of Kubrick with... Shelley Duvall. Yes. Oh my god. That's the classic example of that. It where, really is. Yeah. What a sadistic fuck. Yeah, that's a sadistic... You know, and it's like, where's the moral... St- I know you want to create a great work of art, which it is, but... It is. You know, it's but, brilliant, and without Shelley yeah. Duvall, it's a piece of shit movie, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it still has Jack Nicholson, but Shelley Duvall roots that thing. You need somebody that, you know, and you feel sorry for her. If <laughs> you saw Shelley Duvall, it's just Jack Nicholson hey. running around him. <laughs> Hey, that's not necessarily a bad movie either. Let's not forget about Danny and the twins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're very forgettable. And Scatman. Scatman. You know. Come and play with us. If you came in as Kung Fu Fooey, that would be the. Yeah. Hey! You know. Hong Kong Fooey. But I digress on that. Uh, I know, right? um, Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who tells you differently is selling something. That's a good line. I always like that line. That's right. Um, My favorite line in the whole Inconceivable. Actually, that gives. Well, that's a good one, too. You keep using this word, but. Yeah, I don't think it means, what, think you it means what you think it means. <laughs> yeah. That brings me to an interesting that point. That. Yeah, that's a good line. Uh, who's your favorite. What's your favorite character and/or performance? They're one of the same. Like, I'll go around the table and, and, and ask. We'll start with. Uh, John, John. he's our guest. Oh, Anigo uh, yes. Montoya, hands down. Yeah. He's the. To me, he's the most nuanced character in the whole movie. Um, the most interesting to me, and just the, the fantastic CD tortured background, mm-hmm. you know, that plays out right in front of your eyes. Yeah. yeah. I just uh, work for Fezzik to pay the bills. There's so <laughs> much money in revenge. In, in the revenge business. <laughs> <laughs> so, good. yeah, that's uh, by, by far, by far my favorite character. This, uh, you know what's interesting? You mentioned that. The, the movie predated, I think, uh, a movie that we've covered on this podcast, Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. in terms of like the, oh, yeah, it's a great movie. The, the kind of Seinfeld dialogue about nothing mm-hmm. and this grand story mm-hmm. of revenge where they just talk about, you know, yep. these, you know, just talk about your day like, you've been more than fair, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it'll be, I mean, there's long scenes about getting someone up or, you know, and then yeah. they do a great, and then they don't shortchange the big, 
moments, like whether yeah. it's a kiss or whether it's a sword fight. Yep. I think that's what makes this movie great is they never shortchange. Sometimes it's, if you watch like a comedy and it's based on something, the sword fight will suck. You know, the the sets will suck. You know, a lot of the stuff will suck. But this movie has none of that. You yeah. know, it's there's the it's high quality comedy, and then you get. You know, one of the, like I said, one of the great sword fights of all time. Oh, without a doubt. You know, mm-hmm. and... You know, they rehearsed, like, eight hours a day on the I sword fighting. When they weren't filming yeah, it, they actually worked on it. Because Rob Reiner yeah. wanted to look authentic, and he wanted them to do it. Like, Batinkin and Ellis. Even the one that went against, uh... He's like, I'm smiling. He's like, why are you smiling? Because I know something you don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a great... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, he's like, I am not left-handed. Yeah, and then he's like, well, I'm not left-handed either. <laughs> I love that one. He's like, who are you? You must tell me. <laughs> just love that. <laughs> just that. I love that scene between the two of them. I think yeah. it's so well done. When he's like hanging off, hanging off the cliff, he's like, "Do you think you can hurry up a little bit?" He's like, "I don't like waiting." <laughs> he's like, "I hate waiting." <laughs> and then when he gets up there, he's like, "Take your time. I want you to be no, ready." We'll wait, we'll wait. Yes. Even more than fair. But also the scene when he fights Count Rugen at the end, and mm-hmm. you know after he gets stabbed and he gets back up, and then he, you know, Count Rugen comes out with a sword and he breaks to the side and gets that side, and he goes and he gets hit mm-hmm. the other shoulder. I mean that's just such a great dramatic, you know. If that wasn't like a dramatic movie, you know, and that was the final scene, I think that would be, you know, more than a, the appropriate as far as the quality is concerned, but. I think that's what makes it, this movie stand out a lot. It's just like, it just, everything they do is, is high quality. You know, every level of the comedy, the, the action, the acting, you know, the, you know, the drama, everything is just done at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, who's your favorite say, character? But who's my favorite character? <laughs> <laughs> but answer, answer no, the question, pal. Made some great points, though. I was love, love uh, Oh, no, Absolutely. Who's my favorite character? Is uh, I, I would say Fezzik is my favorite character because I'm, and hmm. uh, I mean yeah, I think he has the most Andre the best yeah Andre because he has the best. I mean all those lines are just great. I mean I like he's like he's got I would you know like we said he's got three of them and he's like he's only got himself you know and breaking down his fighting style he's like I fought ten men it was a different fighting style. Um, and just, you know, I think it's just great watching, you know, someone enjoy being, you know, mm-hmm. you know, someone that you see as a character all the time, Andre the Giant, to play a different type of, well, he's essentially playing the good guy Andre the Giant character, but yeah. um, it's just fun to see him in that, in, uh, you know, in, in that role. I uh, agree with Scott. Like, uh, there are a couple characters I wanted to mention for me. Like, one was Andre, like, you know, and Fessy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Scott and I are big classic WWE fans from, like, the like the 80s, early 90s. <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine if Macho Man was Fessy? Oh, God. I don't even want to. I'm a giant. Yeah. And he's, like, shorter <laughs> than the other guy. Oh, God. Yeah, I love it. You know. He had this moment in Spider Man. He did. He did have this oh, Spider Man moment. Boom, saw. But I, I love how understated uh, Andre is in this movie, and like like Scott just most of those mentioned. The other actor is Peter Falk. I think Peter mm. Falk is amazing. He, if there is a linchpin, it might be Peter Falk, and he was cast because 
Peter Falk's an actor that is going to, you think you have things figured out with him, and then he takes, he switches it over, which is Columbo. That was the whole point of Columbo. Mm-hmm. It was like, you think that he's this easygoing guy, not really aware of what's happening, and then he knows everything that's going on. You find mm-hmm. that out at the end. I think he's the perfect guy to tell the story, because when the beats come up, when the eels come out, or when he's, Fred Savage starts panicking, when he thinks that Humperdinck is going to marry Buttercup, and the grandmother goes, I don't know what you're getting so upset about, not giving him that solace immediately, that things are going to turn out okay. You know, I, that's why I think Peter Falk is cast. It keeps you guessing. It keeps you off, you know, off your feet. And uh, But he's also just warm and amazing and just a funny actor, and it's just great to see him... Uh, to give him a plum role like that where he's kind of controlling the whole narrative. Yep. Um, so I like him and Andre are probably tied. And I want to give a special nod to Carrie Elwes, who I think gives an amazingly wry, funny performance. It's mm-hmm. a tremendous comedic performance. It really is, mm-hmm. right. And when you were talking earlier about what happens to these guys after the film, I think a real um, a crime in a way is that Carrie Elwes wasn't utilized more in comedies as a leading man because he's so ridiculously funny hey he's a handsome traditional looking you know leading man but he's also has this superb sense of humor like I remember watching there was a Jim Carrey movie called Liar Liar remember that from the late 90s well Carrie Ellis was cast as I think his ex-wife's boyfriend and they're in scenes together I'm like you know Ellis is like just as funny as Jim Carrey they're really not much of a difference and funnier actually in so many ways you're right uh He's Elvis the villain so, in Twister. He's so, um, he's actually so naturally funny. He is. That I think it's, it's understated in a way and it's, it's almost forgotten because he's just so darn natural. And uh, the two nods of that is he wrote a book about the movie, which is supposed to be great, called As You Wish. So you should be able to look for that if, if you can find it. But there's a great um, episode of the Kevin Pollock chat show, which is a chat show on the internet where he interviews a wide variety of industry people and he had Carrie Ellis and they exclusively talked about The Princess Bride so if you're a fan of the movie definitely check that out because he does impersonations of Andre and and everybody that was involved with the film anybody want a peanut? sure there we go well thank you Thanks, Tom. Um, but yeah, I, I had to give an eye to him because I think he has an exceptionally <laughs> great performance here <laughs> So, Tony, what's uh, your uh, favorite Um, You know, I really love Inigo Montoya. I just think that there's just something fun about him, and I I like his story, and I think he's one of those characters that right away from the get-go you can kind of latch on to because um, he's very enthusiastic, and he's on this quest to find the six-fingered man, and I just think it's very identifiable, you know, and um, he's also very funny. A lot of my favorite lines are either lines that he said or scenes that he's a part of. I just think he was spot on in that movie. Um, but I also, after having watched it last night, I really have a newfound respect for Chris Sarandon. Mm. Prince Humperdinck. I don't know if I'd say that he's my all-time favorite character, but I think he has some really great lines. And I, I don't know. There's just uh, something very dry and very funny about him, but yet he, he has this very serious nature about him. And um, I think he's kind of overlooked sometimes because everybody likes either Fezzik, you know, Vizzini or Antigua Montoya or mm. the lovers, you know, Wesley and Buttercup. Sometimes I feel like he gets overlooked, but he's really just as funny. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. He's very, he's good at reacting to things, yes. you know. 
Honestly, though, I feel like it's an ensemble cast. Oh, and no, it is. I really it like is. everybody. Um, I think there are moments where I like, you know, it's one of those things very much like The Wizard of Oz where it's hard to really say who your favorite is because you, you kind of fall in love with everybody. Of course, there's always that one person that you just have a special thing for. And I guess I would have to say that that would be an ego for me. But um, I just I think all the characters are really well written and I think they come together beautifully. And I can't imagine what the movie would be like without having all of them. There's not a plum. There's there's not a bad role in this movie. No, everybody it is no, a true yeah. ensemble. It's yeah. they're everybody's strong. That's why I like in a comedy when every role matters mm -hmm. and everybody's funny and and has a purpose. Uh, it's funny when you mentioned Chris Sarandon. I used to wonder is he related to Susan Sarandon? Me too. And, and he is. They were married for a period of time. So they fact, were married. They okay. were. And I knew fact, they were related. They actually uh, her name was taken from him. That's how she became yeah. Susan Sarandon. She was originally uh, Susan Tomlin. Okay. And then she became Susan Sarandon. So that's like how they, so they were married. Okay. Uh, Tom Olin, I guess, is oh, how she spelled it. Lily Tom. That would be awesome if she was a Tomlin, you know. So, yes, Chris Sarandon was in Fright Night. I just want everyone to know that. <laughs> like we were talking earlier. He also delivers a great performance on a movie called Dog Day Afternoon with Al Pacino as, as, uh, as his, I think, his partner in that movie. And he was nominated for an Academy Award in that film. We'll have to do that oh, somewhere. Wow. Um, What's your favorite line of dialogue? This is such a quotable movie. You have oh to give out. I know you kind of mentioned it earlier. Um, any stand out for you guys? Let's, let's start with Scott. It's so tough. <laughs> John already uh, gave his line. That's why I'm not Oh, John is yeah. a, you know, I'm going to be good. Uh, my favorite line, jeez. I mean, the whole, um, you know, I like, <laughs> um, Wally Sean line, I named other actors because I always forget the character names. Um, you know, there's two two things you don't do. You know, start a land war in Asia. <laughs> and, What's uh, the other? She said. Uh, was it compete wits with? Yeah, I'm just completely butchering this. Um, combating wits with uh, with Cecilia Cecilia on the phone line. Yeah, I mean that's just a classic. I think that's the line we haven't really brought up, but I like that one. But I mean, there's so many that if you say it, I'll just say, I wish I picked that one. Because mm -hmm. that's just, I just picked one randomly. There's, there's every line I love almost equally as well. Right. You know, there's not one that. Death cannot stop true love. Yeah. It can only delay it for a while. Yeah. I also like, stop nah. saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, that's this funny when you keep saying the lines, just stop uh -huh. saying that. Yeah. Um, Anybody want a peanut? That's yeah, a great that's one. always a great right. line. Yeah. Scott, we are actually line. eating peanuts. Mine was the any life is pain. Highness. Uh -huh. Anyone who says different is selling something. That's a great line. That's not even a, a comedic line. It's just a yeah. great line. You know, mm -hmm. it just there's a it's biting. It's very philosophical. Yeah, it is. It is. It makes makes you think life sucks. Basically, is what he's saying. Life is pain. Essentially. Oh, here's one I just found. That just I don't like. sugarcoat it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, when they're at the gate, the, the barge into the gate, and they say, "Give us the gate key." And it's, I have no gate key. And physics says, "Tears up." And then he goes, like, oh, you mean, you mean this gate? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean this gate? I mean, that's a great line. There yeah. you go. Scott took my line too. Like, oh. like you mentioned, no, 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 he didn't take it. Uh, I have the same Scott. favorite as Scott's. Jeez. No, yeah. Which one? Scott stole mine. No, uh, I, my favorite line is exactly what Scott mentioned, which is the land war in Asia oh, yeah. line. It's the best Vietnam joke ever in a movie. You know, is that? I really like. Um, 
Truly, you have a Disney in a new one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, another one I love is, like, I'm also left-handed, and it's so when Cariolis pulls that aside. I love, um, so many lines. Everything you guys said, of course, you know, um, inconceivable. You keep using this word, but mm-hmm. I do not think it means what you think it means. That's just great. But I think one of the most quotable lines or the most, um, memorable lines for me that I carry with me throughout my daily life is um, you rush your um, you rush your miracle man you get rotten miracles I nice. just love that yeah, I think yeah. it's great it's really crystal as Miracle Max yeah and I don't know I just always really love that line because again it's quasi philosophical mm-hmm. and you can apply it to life and um, patience is always something that I try to improve on each year I've gotten better as I've aged but uh, I don't know I just really like that I think it was one of those lines that it's like, whoa, you didn't expect that. Yeah, yeah. Now, I also love uh, second place probably for me is uh, Christopher Guest's line when he says, if you don't have your health, mm-hmm. you haven't got anything. Exactly. <laughs> and it's great. all about context for that, right? Yeah, no, it it's is. all about what? Like, what is the absurdity that? of that context when yeah. he's when he's because he's about to go down and torture Wesley yeah. for the first time. Yeah. What does Wesley say when he first gets captured after Buttercup? Um, oh. It's something very like philosophical because Christopher Guest goes, "Well said." We, uh, yeah, because he, he's like, uh, "We're we're men of action. That's Lies do not become us." That's right. Yes. I love that. And then he hits him in the head with mm-hmm. a sword. That's a great. Line. <laughs> but that's another good one. That's I like a... I like the stuff. I mean, aside from the, the comedic lines that are obviously so great. Yeah. I like those little sort of philosophical mm. throwaways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. I mean, you guys yeah. mentioned two great lines. I mean, those are two brilliantly written lines. I'm not a witch, I'm your wife! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's great. And uh, my thoughts, just to wrap things up a bit on the movie, on the whole, you know, and I'd like to go around the table with everybody, but uh, I think it more than holds up. I mean, it, it's a classic. I think it's, it's definitely under the zeitgeist. I saw it today on some... Like um, like a movie, like video show on YouTube or something like that. One of the panelists had a shirt with um, an ego, Fezig and Vicini in the usual suspects lineup. Phase. Oh, nice! And that tells you this is really under this cultural zeitgeist. They have shirts now interspersing these characters into other aspects of pop culture. That's when you know you've made it. I want my father back. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. Um, but I think it more than holds up. We saw it at the theater last night. It's the mm-hmm. first time I've ever seen it in, in an actual theater, and it looked pristine. Like, this is a great-looking mm-hmm. movie on screen. It really brings out a lot that you don't get. It's a lot of facial close-ups. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the scenery. I mean, it's a, and, the, and you're right. The scenery is amazing. Oh, it's gorgeous. Um, you know, and it's still quotable. I mean, you're going to be quoting this movie for the rest of your life. Oh, it's one goodness. of the most quotable films ever made. Yeah. Uh, when someone says the word marriage, I always say, marriage is what brings us together. Hey, when Ted Cruz is quoting it, you know you've taken off in the pop oh culture <laughs> doing impersonations of it. So, uh, so yeah, I, I think I'm impressed by its longevity. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys agree? Marriage, that blessed arrangement. That dream within a dream. <laughs> you have seen the decent fellow. I hate to kill you. I hate to die. I hate to die. That's probably one of the best scenes. It's one of those. It is. It's one of these movies where every once in a while, I don't know if you guys have had this experience. 
every once in a while you find somebody who's not seen this movie and you immediately feel obligated <laughs> to go and sit them down and show them the movie. Yeah. I mean, because it is, for whatever reason, and maybe it's because we're all, you know, of the same age and all extremely white. <laughs> we feel like we right. have to show people this. Yeah. I am Sicilian. <laughs> okay, well, that still doesn't We'll count, get into but... that true romance dialogue then on that one, I yeah, guess. Exactly. But... <laughs> but, but no, I mean, yeah. I mean that notwithstanding, yeah. I think it, it's something that it's it's so delightful, mm-hmm. brings so yeah. much joy. It is such a feeling. But you wanted movie. to share it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I know one of the things that we do on the podcast is we typically kind of go around and share when was the first time that we saw this movie. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, because in 1987, like I said, I was roughly two years old. Um, I certainly didn't see this movie in the theater or anytime soon following. Yeah. But I do remember watching it in middle school, and I was in a play, and it, they had The Princess Bride playing, like, backstage. We all went in this assembly room, and they would have people come in and say, oh, we need such and such characters or whatever. But in the interim, we all waited in this room while everybody was getting ready, and we watched Princess Bride. And I vividly remember that really being the first time that I actually watched it and being that I was, I want to say maybe 12 or 13, I got it, mm-hmm. you know, and I just loved it. And I was like, this movie is so great. Yeah. I thought it was like a new movie. I didn't realize that it was from 1987. Right. And I just remember that being such a fun memory um, for me watching that really for the first time that I can recall in such a fun setting, you know, backstage behind a play, which is so exciting and it's just, you know, it's just one of those movies that has nothing but good memories. Yeah. I used to put it on when I was in college and work on my homework, and I would just have this on in the background. You know, just fun. It's one of those movies that mm-hmm. you kind of feel like you're visiting with an old friend when you put it in. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's how I, you know, looked at it, too. And, I mean, I think you probably had the same reaction, Scott. Yeah, I, I don't remember the first time I saw it, I think. You know, I was introduced to it the same way, like Christmas Story or something. Like mm-hmm. it's been out a while, and then like I, then it's like, um, because this movie had a similar. I don't think it was a huge hit. It just got no. It, it like we said before, nobody like the the audience that you see in a the theater nowadays is nothing like it was back then. Like yeah. only a handful of people seen it. The people who saw it loved it and became word of mouth hit. And you're right, a Christmas Story followed the same trajectory. It was not mm-hmm. a big hit. Didn't really have a lot of stars in that movie, yeah. and that's probably why. Which both you know. both of those really, I also lump these two into a category of nostalgia feel good movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And they are. Yeah. There's something about them that makes you feel very wistful. And who was the biggest? About yeah. Yeah. The good old days, whatever well, the fuck that means. Yeah, yeah. Well, or least, friendships, you know, yeah. like just life. I think they're well written movies too. They're very sharp. <laughs> They're sharp movies, you know. Well, I mean, you think about it, though. Who was the biggest star in this movie? Probably Billy Crystal at the time, right? Yeah. Or Andre. Yeah, Andre probably was the biggest. Andre or Billy Crystal were probably the most well-known people in this movie. At the time, yeah. Yeah. Everybody else was... Wally Shawn was... And Billy Crystal had a cameo at best. I mean, Mm -hmm. he was on screen maybe five minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, honestly, of all the main characters, Andre the Giant was by far the most well-known. Yeah. Have fun storming the castle! (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny, when we watched it with a bunch of people, that scene, the Billy Crystal scene, got a huge 
reaction to it. Not because it was just funny, but it seems like the anticipation for yeah. that scene. Miracle Max. It, honestly, it's not my favorite scene in the movie. I'm not a big no. fan of Billy Crystal in general, the shtick maybe sometimes, but people seem to love it. You know, they... He's not a guy that like builds in the character. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't... He's just like, man, he's just like locked in. You put makeup on him and you don't... You know, like we you know there are so many parallels between this and Wizard of Oz. <laughs> The you same think way as like that scene. Might. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like Marathon Man. Yeah. Or even I mean Christopher I Guest's mean, movie. Right? Pacino's in Marathon Man, right? That's Dustin Hoffman. Oh, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, Dustin Hoffman's in that. Sorry, yeah. sorry. How sorry. dare you? <laughs> yeah, how dare you just disperse Marathon Man? But no, he's man. I mean it's the obvious he's not a method actor in any way. I mean, is no. there just a comedian putting on a shtick of some sort? But I think it's perfect and for that amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Perfect for that amount of time. You know? Yeah, he is. You know. Yeah. And, but you also have people that are eye like Peter Cook. And Peter Cook played the... Maui! This what brings us together today. He was part of... Uh, a dream within a dream. <laughs> he's like, skip a part. Skip ahead. Skip to the very moment. Man and wife. Say man and wife. Man and wife. Take the princess to the bridal suite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Nice. And then Chris Guest is so dry compared to Billy Crystal. I guess I'm more Chris Guest than Billy Crystal when it comes to, you know, the kind of comedy. Is, Billy Crystal is funny, though. I'm oh, yeah. He's a talented guy. Yeah. No question about it. I was surprised by the reaction the crowd it. had to as that scene I to compared to, work, I... you know, yeah. other scenes. I was, I was surprised by that. Launch, yeah. Like, I thought the scene where he meets Wally Shawn would be the... Swamped. You know, that would, my anticipation was that would be the big scene. Like to murder, I'm swamped. And Gilded's a frame portal. And Gilded's a frame portal. I'm swamped. I love that. I just love that. He's like, as much as I love to see you work. Get some rest. Yeah. That is just so funny to me. Yeah. Oh, God. It's good. It's a great film, guys. It's, what, what can I say? It's, it's great. And I usually close uh, the podcast when, um, you know, I think the best way to watch a movie when you if you don't have access to see it in a theater, uh, is on Blu-ray. And this movie's been released several times on Blu-ray. Wow. It's been repackaged a lot. The most recent was a 25th anniversary edition that came out about four or five years ago on its 25th anniversary. I actually have that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. On DVD version. There's a lot of great uh, special features, like As You Wish is mm-hmm. a documentary about the making of the film and stuff. But it seems like there are other sources out there outside of the Blu-ray where you can get that behind-the-scenes information, like the book Ellis wrote or, you know the podcast I was mentioning earlier with Kevin uh, Kevin Pollack, we can get a lot of great information about the movie. But there are a couple commentaries by Rob Reiner, and it's pretty good. It's on yeah. Netflix I was now. a bummer when Carrie when Ells canceled. He was going to actually come to Columbus, Ohio. I think it was last year, wasn't it? And then An inconceivable evening. Yeah, and it got yeah. canceled. I was bummed about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that I'm was... going to say it's probably Manny Patinkin's fault. Yeah. <laughs> you keep saying this. <laughs> I do not think he's not as mean as you think. I'm sure he's behind it in some way. (laughs) What show is Manny Batinkin on? Is it Homeland? Now Homeland, and he was also on Chicago Hope. Okay, years ago, back like right after, right around the ER years. And Robin is on uh, House Cards. Yes, she is. And she now got. She's now paid as much as, or she was asking for as much as Kevin Spacey. Because she's a woman. But not. So circles all back. You want to say that she's a helpless princess? Well, guess what? She's, She's getting a... paid as much as Kevin Spacey. <laughs> In your face. 
Well, that's a rap song, Paid Like Spacey. Yeah, Paid Like <laughs> Spacey. I'm sure it is. Wu-Tang put that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what's his name? Is it going to release it? What's that guy's name? Oh, Mark Skrillex. Who's the guy that owns Wu-Tang? <laughs> you know that guy? The, guy, the, the pharmacy guy? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He just bought the album. He didn't do And he won't he release it, yeah. He doesn't play it or anything. Yes. He just bought it because he could book it. That's what he could What would you say to him? <laughs> if we locked you in a room with Martin Skrillex with his routine album. There's a really kooky interview on say, YouTube, isn't it? On Mike's YouTube? did an interview with him. Say Marty, listen. Yeah. You may put one in your room. You know, he's a guy that when you just read the articles, he's the biggest asshole you've ever heard of. Hmm. But when you see him, hmm. there is a demented, like... Sociopath? So, the demented kind of lunacy... Basically, that, uh, that I kind of appreciate. Mm -hmm. I would never want to be alone with that man. Like let's just put it that Joker way. style lunacy. Well, when he goes to Congress and he's just giving faces to Congress or the what Senate, does he always say? Kind of I plead the fifth or what did I he? I plead the fifth. He's like I plead the. Fifth. <laughs> I'm just like something's I don't not know. right. Yeah. That guy. He's so over the top bad. Like he wants to be a villain. Yeah. Like, there's some sort of that he's probably not as big a villain as as he's played out. No, he rides around on that little scooter. Remember? I think all he's really doing is taking a page out of Andy Kaufman's playbook. Yeah. yeah. He's just doing really... Oh, you mean like a certain presidential candidate? <laughs> <laughs> That's almost performance art in and of itself. I mean, the and it's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. when you, you step back from it far enough and you're just like, yeah, he, if you put aside, oh, he's disgusting, I can't disagree with him more. Who are we talking he, about now? Trump. Okay. He, he turns mm -hmm. my skin in a way that... I can't imagine. I, I found myself saying this today. You know what? If Trump doesn't get elected, I'm kind of going to be disappointed because we're going to miss out on so much comedy. Yeah, I know. At the expense of the... Maybe the yeah, but we will benefit from amazing <laughs> pantsuits. I don't know. I, I feel we're going like to get to see an I array of amazing pantsuits. I don't like the trade-off. Honestly, <laughs> I kind of feel like the, 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 the comedy potential here is just too much. I think we it should is. vote for uh, John Coon as president. I say this, so though. I've been saying that for years. But the Donald Trump, I, th I think the Donald Trump comedy is I'll be your first lady. Out. Yeah, you I'd would. make a good first lady. Yeah, but, you would. Uh, well, uh, well uh, I guess we'll wrap things up here. We <laughs> 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 you Yeah, it was like... It's a great way to end a podcast. I That's think. right, it is. It's just going we gave props to Donald Trump and the Martin's the AIDS guy. Yeah, exactly. But don't forget, gang, you can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Cinema Wheelerte. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. You can, we have both a Facebook presence and a Twitter presence. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd love to see your Mark Wahlberg photos. Yeah, kind. exactly. Mm -hmm. I know I would. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I'd love that as well. Yeah. And of course, I'd love the Mark Wahlberg stuff. Pepper it. <laughs> Maybe Mark one Wahlberg. day we'll do a Mark Wahlberg movie. Yeah. Yes. And if anyone uh, if anyone has any cool Andre stories that we haven't talked about, yeah. those, those probably should be posted yes. somewhere on Cinema Wheeler Tay. I'm um, purely authentic. Please post yes. all of your Andre stories Please on Cinema do. Wheeler Tay. And any retorts against John Coon's <laughs> comedy over society. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I think Trump should be elected. I'm just a little disappointed. There's no way he's getting elected. I, I share that I same thing. So many there, ways. We never thought he'd make it this I far. I am thrilled by that. I'm yeah. thrilled that he's not going to get elected. I was just, I felt a pain, you know, a twinge. Just a little bit, like, aww. <laughs> comedy Central's not going to be as funny. No, it won't be. It won't be. 
You know, and that's partly because I'm getting tired of Kate McKinnon. That's all. Yeah. Aww. Exactly. <laughs> no, oh no, that. you don't want to get started with Sean. Oh, here yeah. we go. We're That's his girl. girl. Oh yeah. shit. <laughs> I know. Oh, boy. Exactly. Oh boy. Well, yeah. gang, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks a lot for John coming on the podcast yes. today. John, the great John. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, As to, you wish. Oh no. Yes. I want to point out that uh, his trip, Fake Bacon, just celebrated their tenth anniversary. So we want to congratulate yes. them on that. And they are a tremendous group. If you have a chance in Columbus to come out and see them, please do. Yes. Absolutely. So. Uh, also, don't forget, gang. I know we uh, talked about this last time on the podcast. August twenty fifth, if you're in Columbus, Ohio. At the CD1025 Big Room, we are going to be doing an Improv Wars benefit show, which I think all of us might be performing mm-hmm. in. And all of the proceeds benefit the Ovarian Cancer Alliance of Ohio. So be sure to come out for that show. It's going to be a good one, and um, we love to have your support, and we don't love to connect with our listeners. Woohoo! Ovaries! Yes. Ovaries before broveries, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Ovaries before broveries! Woohoo! And uh, that should wrap it up. And, uh, hey, thanks yeah. a lot, guys, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Bye. Are you coming down into the pit? Wesley's got his strength back. I'm starting him on the machine tonight. Tyrone, you know how much I love watching you work. But I've got my country's 500th anniversary to plan, my wedding to arrange, my wife to murder, and Gilda to frame for it. I'm swamped. Get some rest. If you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything.